the more time we invest throughout this entire process, the more special that feeling is going to, to, to be when we do have success. Welcome back to Mindful Warrior Radio. Mindful Warrior Radio is a space we created to connect with incredible humans, to share brave stories, authentic insight, and real knowledge. We're happy to have you listening. My name is Cami Craig. I'm a former elite athlete, Olympic champion, turned performance and culture design coach at Mindful Warrior, and I'm your host of Mindful Warrior Radio. Today on Mindful Warrior Radio, we welcome three-time Olympic champion, USA women's water polo head coach, and former men's and women's water polo head coach of UCLA, Adam Kerkorian. Winning has been a dominant theme for Adam and the teams that he's led. He's dedicated to empowering and drawing out the best of his athletes, coaching staff, and self while honoring the process of what it takes to be best in the world. I'm thrilled to tap into the insight and experience of coach and role model Adam Krikorian on today's episode of Mindful Warrior Radio. So most of us, the majority of us, and even listeners have heard about the experience of athletes experiencing a flow state, right? Where almost everything melts around you and you're really present in that moment, whether you're in your own performance or even connected with your team in this kind of flow state. And, you know, things are just moving with ease and effort. And it's this kind of intuitive way of playing and moving. And as I was thinking about, you know, my experience as an athlete in flow state, I thought, you know, what is Adam's experience on the pool deck? Yes. As the team is experiencing a flow state, like, is that felt for you? I mean, is it seen for you? I could imagine it would be. And the importance of, you know, as athletes were in it, then there's a break at the quarter or a break at half. And we come back to the wall and we are continuing to be kind of in this collective flow state and we're receiving information from you and we're checking in. And I'm just curious of from your position on the deck, as your athletes are experiencing that, are you feeling that with the group? Um, are you noticing it within the group? And then I guess the next question to that is like, how have you experienced a flow state as a coach? Mm. Wow. Um, I, you know, uh, to be, to be quite frank, I don't know if I've ever really thought about flow state from a coach's perspective. Um, there's certainly moments in which I'm seeing it from, from you guys or our team as they're competing and playing and, working with one another, but with regard to, to just myself, you know, I guess in some ways, and I know this isn't right, but in some ways I, when I think of flow state, I also think of like physical activity and there's no physical activity being done with, by me on the, uh, on the side. There are certainly moments in which, uh, and I don't know if this is flow state, quote unquote flow state or not, uh, where I'm just more clear in my vision and my thoughts. And that is, I certainly feel that at times. Um, 
And there's a lot that goes into that, you know, obviously there's a lot of preparation usually beforehand that goes, goes into that. It doesn't something that just happened right away. I don't think I ever really felt that my first three years on, on this, <laughs> this job. Yes. Um, so it's something that you have to be patient about, but ultimately with a lot of reps, with a lot of experience, with a lot of preparation, with obviously some confidence and even little things like sleep and maybe even a little meditation beforehand, uh, it gets you in the right mindset and things become a little bit more clear, but it's also amazing how quickly that can like just disappear. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so, and then with regard to the team, yeah, I mean, it's, it's obvious. And, and I think that's the goal. That's, that's been forever. My goal is for each group is to play with this, this sense of clarity and freedom. And again, flow state, if you will, to, to be able to just maximize everyone's ability. Now, that's the goal, but at the same time, most of our preparation kind of goes into, that may be the hope, but most of our preparation goes into like preparing for you not to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And how can we have success as a team when we aren't in the flow state? And that's probably more important than anything. We hope that happens, but we certainly never bank on that. Uh, but when it does happen, it, it's, it's incredibly special and it feels almost spiritual in, yeah. in some ways. Yeah, it absolutely does. And I think it's interesting. I, I think you can definitely name this kind of clarity, this laser focus that you experience as a coach, as a flow state. And it's really cool to hear you name, like it actually comes in the training and the preparation and making sure everything is where it needs to be based off of, you know, your experience and how, you know, potentially the situation could go and the different ways that it could. And then, you know, I've been really getting curious about what, how am I defining flow for myself and the flow state for me. And I think it is that training piece because you've got to be able to have the repetition to know how to do it at a certain level to where when you add a little bit of pressure and then you also allow yourself to kind of let go and surrender to the moment, it's like, I feel like flow is that, that foundation of training and then a bit of pressure in the system met with like surrender that allows you to experience that meditative state or that flow state where the noise is gone. I feel like that's the surrender, but like the machine is running and it's running in a way that's like refined and on point and it's just doing what it's supposed to do. So I'm hearing that as like, you've had all those repetition as a coach and you've been in some of these, you know, massive venues and these high intense games where the pressure is definitely there. And it's interesting because you're one step away. You're not in the water doing the actual, and I will tell you what, I watched the Olympic <laughs> games for the first time in, you know, like 12 years or 13 years as a spectator. And I was losing my mind because I wasn't in there actually in control of making the moves and having the impact to shift the game as the athlete and being super connected to my teammates in that moment. And so you know, even as a coach, like you're one step away, although you're directing and you're leading and you're holding and you're keeping the tempo, you're like a steady drum beat and you can experience flow. Like you're still like one level away from actually controlling what is done in the water. It's like, it's almost like pray and let it be. You know? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's different. I think the other aspect too, just to just to add something, is that we're talking about flow sport in or flow state in a team setting. Yes. Right. So that you know, you're you're adding so many layers and so many more dynamics to it. And I think the other thing that that can't be understated is just the if you want to try to get there, there's so much love that has to be created within that group. There's so much unselfishness that has to be created within that group. It's going to be difficult to find that flow state within the team setting if there isn't that love and respect and uh, and trust uh, that you have for for one another um, because it 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 requires. There's so many moving parts in in that, and that's what makes team sports incredibly special too. When you get it right, there's just no better feeling. It's much different than just playing a tennis match and trying to kind of find your flow state as an individual. Uh, but when you're connected with all the pieces, all these chess pieces around you, it's it's just a phenomenal feeling. Yeah, I'm sitting here with a big smile on my face because I have gotten to experience that in ways and uh, experience that alongside of you as well. And so I definitely want to put a pin in that and circle back because I think that that love and connection and selflessness and respect is super important. And I think it's going to come back up in some of these questions that I'm asking. One of the things that had me kind of giggling over here was this idea of preparing the team for not experiencing flow, like to prepare the team to face challenges and clunkiness. And when everyone has an off day, like you said, because you're dealing with more than one individual and how do you, how do you prepare the team to face adversity and overcome adversity and recover from adversity quick enough to, you know, not completely derail or miss a beat for the next game or the next practice or the next opportunity. And when one of the questions that I had written, which made me laugh is like, I, I truly believe training for the Olympics was one of the most challenging things physically and mentally. And pushed me to levels that I didn't even know that I had within myself. And I think that you were really great at making an environment that was incredibly uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there, there's an, there's a design, you know, I just, I want to point out the the element that there, I would imagine, I want to talk to you more about this and kind of get a little bit clear, but there's a design to the environment that you're creating, you know, and at times we're, we were going through seasons of our training periods that were really like everything was to be trained to like extreme discomfort or failure, right? Like experiencing failure within the environment over and over and over again. And that's a hard thing to gear up for as an athlete every day to show up and be like, all right, let's just try to fail a little less today in the swim set or this conditioning set or this, you know, but there is a very massive importance to it. And I would say not only in regards to building resilience and having the repetition and being able to navigate how to recover from challenges in an environment where the the risk or the stakes are a little bit lower because it's training versus like the actual game. But I also want to acknowledge this kind of element of like, then there's the culture and the coming together and the bond of the team outside of the individual learning how to get out of that, the adversity of the challenge. So I want to talk a little bit about the design of the environment and the importance of that and kind of what 
you know, and I know every team's different, but like what elements really kind of stick out to you or that are really important for designing a training environment? Yeah, I, I think as you've kind of alluded to, I mean, one of the very first things is just understanding that, you know, I love the, just the, the simple saying, begin with the end in mind. So thinking about what the end of this journey and this process looks like. And usually when we think about the end for us in this Olympic type setting, you think of like the gold medal game, right? And yep. All of a sudden playing in front of millions of viewers and, you know, thousands of fans and fans and feeling the pressure that you typically wouldn't feel. Um, in fact, you wouldn't feel for four years. So doing what we can to prepare for that moment in in four years and knowing that, and I've seen it over time, just not in our sport, but watching other sports that, you know, pressure paralyzes. And when it, when pressure's involved, bad habits blossom and they come out, um, they, sh they rear their, their ugly head. Yep. Uh, so the environment that we create in, in practice, and it, it can't be like this every day, but we need to find moments in our training in which they're going to feel that pressure and they're going to have to deal with some, some adversity because adversity always appears. It always shows up. And so whether that's the physical adversity that, that we can create in through a training or through just natural, normal competition in, in practice, and that's something that's a huge element to, to creating that, that feeling. If there's no competition within the team, that leads to complacency people relaxing and we're not going to feel that and, and we're not going to be prepared for, for that, for that moment. Um, but there's also this just like simple aspect of having people understand and getting them in the right place with regard to their expectations. I think that's the biggest fear I think I would have with regard to, you know, dealing with the pressure at the end of this journey in this process. If, if your expectations, if you have an expectation of, you see the game happening a certain way, then you're you're not setting yourself up to deal with adversity. You're not allowing yourself to be adaptable, to be flexible. And that's one of the most important things, adaptability, flexibility in these in these difficult situations. So getting our mind in the right place and being able to just deal with what's in front of us in that moment. Mm -hmm. Not expecting it to happen a certain way or happen in a different way, or happen positively or negatively, but just being open to all possibilities. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when, when we put ourselves in the right, in that type of mindset, I think we, we, we find ourselves more, more adaptable and more, more flexible. So creating that environment in, in our training, creating that environment, even outside of our training on the pool deck and and coming up with different ways to prepare our, our team to have success in those difficult times. Yeah. In regards to kind of, I guess, identifying and clarifying expectations or even allowing yourself to release yourself from expectations. When you see a gap in expectations and or standards, how, how do you go about closing that gap for your team? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. I think... You know, I guess it, I guess it depends. And, and mostly, you know, most of my experience over the last 10 years is about expectations, you know, lowering the expectations a little bit because we've had a lot of success. And so for, for me, it's, it's about reminding people of 
the times in which we've struggled pointing that out, whether it's on video um, is obviously a great, a great tool, but it also just pointing out the strength of our opponents and understanding what we're up against and um, using and pulling pulling experiences from outside of even the sports world or even in the sports world um, outside of our team to show our team that, Hey, anything can happen on any, and any given day. I think I'm, if you ask, and you know, this um, being one of our athletes or former athletes is like, if there's anything I, I do a lot of, it's, it's, it's building up the opposing teams that we, that we play. And I talk a lot about how great I think they are. And that's out of, then that's out of honest, true respect yeah. of our opponent and understanding and learning from the greatness that, that we see and that we're up against every day. And that sometimes that just naturally kind of creates a little bit of humility, maybe even a little bit of fear, but an appropriate amount of fear is really important for, for us to kind of keep our expectations at a, at a, at a calm, calm level. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm laughing because it's, we would do these video sessions where we'd be reviewing our own practices or our own games. And there was always just a little bit of angst in the air of going into these video sessions because, you know, you're totally highlighted or spotlighted in your mistakes potentially, right? And always going to the saying of the video never lies, ladies, the video <laughs> never lies. And just trying to cut that kind of nervous energy and allow allow space to have mistakes and failures and to learn from them, you know, from like a neuroscience perspective is like, you can't create new neuro pathways if you're not making mistakes and then re-repping it and re-repping it and re-repping it. And, you know, I think as high performers and, you know, this, the intensity of perfectionism in society and in our culture, it can be so brutal or paralyzing to, acknowledge mistakes, but how healthy and important they are. I think even for, you know, this is not just for younger athletes. I mean, this is even at top level corporation is the fear of, of making mistakes and needing, you know, really being hooked by perfectionism. But I think, you know, I, that's a, it's just, it's important to reflect. And even just, again, if the competition is right and the standards are where they need to be, there's no better place to start than looking at yourself and then looking outward at what your opponents are up to. I'm curious of, you have faced adversity and you guys have experienced losses. And I really want to differentiate just kind of, uh, seasons or times of challenge within a team, like what I would call probably the storming phase. You can be going through a storming phase and still be successful and, and win, right? And then losses are like another thing that you can kind of manage as a team and how do you recover from that? But I want to really talk about like when you are genuinely in a storming phase as a team, whether that be the like bond and camaraderie is off. You're not seeing line to line communications a little bit off, you know, it's a little chippy in training and there are maybe some divides, you know, I've been there, I've experienced that. And so, and I know all teams have a moment of the storming phase from your perspective, you know, as a coach, from your position, what is the importance of that? You know, I can give you a bag full of importance from my perspective. So I just want to like meet you in that, but what is, what is, What's the benefit of going through these storming phases as a team? Yeah, that's a great question. I think honestly, and just again, kind of going back from what we've experienced in the last 
eight years, let's say, my greatest fear has been that we haven't had these stormy events because we've had a lot of success and we've had a lot of wins. And that's one of my greatest fears because when we think about the reality and and our, our sports psych always uses this term and with regard to confidence, it's great to feel confidence, but as he says, if confidence kind of blows in the wind, sometimes it goes and sometimes it comes and sometimes it goes and you can't necessarily prepare for it. But when we do think about confidence and we're trying to build that, the only way you can build confidence or really true confidence is through the crap. I mean, it's through the storm. That's when, you know, there's nothing like being able to deal with a storm or dealing with some adversity and then getting through it and coming out on the other side. I mean, that's, that's where you're not going to build confidence by me telling you how great you are. Not even just by, by winning, by beating a team by 10 goals. It's, it's literally through the shit. It's through the tough, the tough times. So when those times of adversity, and this is something I think we've created within the program. And I, and I honestly think it was a bit there before I even took over this team. I think it's always been a part of the program is and the culture is when those times of, of storm and adversity show up, we, we almost get excited. You know, it's, it's like, yes. we haven't felt this in a while. This is a great opportunity for us to number one, learn about ourselves. Number two, just to feel the passion that comes with the challenge. And then number three, knowing that if we can just get through this storm, God, how great is it going to feel? Like how much confidence are we going to build as a group or as individuals once we're on the other side? So yeah. we get excited in those those champions. That's the that's the benefit to, and that's just it's again, it's all a mindset. It's not like, oh, woe is me. Right. This sucks. We're not going to be able to deal with this. I don't want to go through this. This is like, no, let's ratchet it up another level and let's get after it and let's let's use this as a tool that's going to help us moving forward. Yeah, it's really cool that you spoke to the excitement of of meeting challenge because it totally resonates. But it's like, okay, this is time to use all of the training, all of the skill set, all of the mindfulness training with sports psych, all of the, you know, grueling practices and bringing it to this moment to see it, put it to test. And that, I mean, it's always exciting, right? For me, for you, the way that we're feeling it, and hopefully we can inspire other people to say it actually is exciting to see how you might rise to the challenge. When I think about the storming phase and the importance of it, I think one is just normalizing every good team goes through a storming phase, Mm -hmm. you know, and again, whether it's outwardly in regards to losses and trying to figure out kind of, you know, collectively how you guys are playing together, or if it's internally, you know, dealing with that storming phase of whatever may be off in the team or the disruption or the clunkiness that's happening and you're still winning on the outside. I think either way, it's, it's really important to experience. And I have found that by one elevating and getting to kind of use that excitement as fuel in the system, it allows you to come closer together. Like when you can overcome something as a team, trust is then strengthened, respect is strengthened, kind of knowledge of yourself and each other is strengthened. 
And it's, it's hard work. It's not just putting your head down on a team sport in your silo and thinking, I'm just going to do my part. I'm just going to get through this challenge. And then it's going to be done. It's actually opening up and having the challenging conversations that are probably really uncomfortable, but need to be done to kind of meet at a certain point so that you can continue to roll on forward. It's having those moments of selflessness. It's seeing the bigger picture in the play versus again, you cannot silo at time of challenges. And I think, you know, at times we can do that, right? It's like, okay, I'm gearing up. I'm going to put on the, the, you know, armor to get to it. And then I'm going to sit in my silo and get it done. And the reality is actually, this is a time where you've got to open up and lean in to your teammates, to your coaching staff, to your resources, to all of that, to find a way then to kind of tighten as a group. So you can either lean out in, or you can lean out. And I think this really connects to that piece of love and respect and doing things collectively and connected and the storming phases and the moments of adversity and how you navigate that as a group is what allows you the privilege to earn that love, right? And to experience right. like, holy shit, we did it and we did it together and we leaned in to do it together. And that's that kind of euphoric feeling and the high of experiencing, you know, that's when you can check all the boxes in success. You're like, not only did we get the gold, but like we did it together and we leaned in together and we got through that phase. And like, it's so much more than just the top and, and repping out like certain movements or skill sets. It's like the whole thing. What is kind of what's coming up for you with that? And what, what are you connecting with in your experience? Well, I, I just, again, kind of going back to flow state. I mean, it's, it's about, and you use the word just connection. Um, that's we're trying to create that within a team. And again, going through, Difficult times and going through it together makes you feel connected if you if you can get through it. I the, the first thing that just kind of pops in my head, part, partly because this is, you know, it's somewhat recent is, and I, I talked to the team about this. We just won a world championship in in Budapest and Hungary, which is kind of the mecca of of water polo, yeah. right? It's, Congratulations, by uh, the way. Thank, thank you. <laughs> uh, the, the team was fantastic, and we were playing in front of you know, six, 7,000 Hungarian fans. I mean, it's their national sport in a lot of ways. And they're yelling and screaming obscenities at you. And it's as loud of an environment as I've ever experienced. Mm. And kind of getting through that together as a, as a group and coming, coming away with a victory. I mean, there's just no greater, it's just such a special feeling. However, as great as it, as it felt, it, it's going to pale in comparison to what we can feel moving forward in large part because this group that we assembled really spent about a month together. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we can talk about how great does it feel to, to win a world championship? Sure. It feels great. You, you always want to win, but what, what, what feels the best is when you, when you go through a lot together as, as a group and when you go through the crap and, and you deal with some adversity and this team never really, I mean, we were, it was a honeymoon phase for a month that we won a world championship and it's sure, certainly it's great. Yes. But I can only imagine, and hopefully we get there, you know, what this team, as we put more, as we invest more time and more effort into our training, into our relationships, into improving as, as humans, as yep. athletes, 
the more time we invest throughout this entire process, the more special that feeling is going to, to, be, to be when we do have success. So that's kind of what comes into my mind right yep. now is, as we're in the middle of this next process as we prepare for uh, Paris in 2024. Awesome. And I think I'm, I'm going to really highlight the time, the element of time, right? It's like in all the things yes. that I think we're talking about, it's not a light switch. You can't turn it on and off. It's like almost like turning a barge in the sea. It takes time. And it's like a series of micro, micro, micro choices, behaviors, adjustments, awareness, you know, a willingness to continue to show up. And it takes time and reps to do that. And like you said, you've experienced something special within a month, but how can that be even stronger or amplified or greater or deeper as time goes on? And actually, you know, you're getting the true essence of experiencing adversity together. And, you know, I'm like, you want to get to know somebody, yeah. Try training four years for the Olympics alongside of someone. It will break you. Yeah. <laughs> it will bring up your worst, your best, and everything in between. And I think that's why that there's such an incredible bond, you know, at the end of this with your teammates as you've kind of experienced this like extreme thing together. But that that's what I'm hearing is just like just the time, the honoring of the time that it takes to to put all of these pieces together. And it's not, you know, the patience that you have to have with it, the discipline and the commitment. And this is like, you know, there's so many moving pieces. This is not just about repping the skill set. Again, this is about the whole package. Well, and you, you understand, obviously you went through it for, for many years is just the, the process, the daily process and the process over four years or eight years or 12, 12 years for some of you guys is like, it can be really monotonous. It can yeah. be it's hard to find the motivation. It can be boring at times. It's, you know, so if you don't have an understanding of where it could lead, it becomes even more difficult. But if you can understand and grasp why those rough days um, of doing the same drill over and over and over again, um, or going through the, the storm, many storms, you don't understand that it, it, it it's difficult to stay motivated through through the process and i think when with regard to motivation and that in specific i just think of like understanding the purpose i think there's there's three things that come to my mind is like purpose people and perspective yeah like having understanding that i need to go through all these little baby steps there's a reason to what we're doing. There's a purpose to what we're doing. And then the people is obviously the people that you're doing it with and, and creating those relationships through that, that journey and how important that is. And then understanding just in general, like the perspective, having the perspective of knowing like we're going through all of this and this monotonous stage and this, and, and this is going to get us to, to this, this place of, and it's not always, it's not about winning. It's about yeah. learning. It's about growing and understanding that. And if you can have that perspective through that process as well, it really keeps you dialed in and, and, and motivated. Certainly you're going to have difficult days and times that's natural, but it, it does keep you much more motivated. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's, that's important for anyone to hear who's going through, you know, different seasons and working towards a larger goal that it's not just immediately there. And honoring that process, I think, 
you know, and being creative in the little ways in which you're showing up. I think one thing that I've like experienced is like nothing lasts forever. Right. And you're going to, you know, it's going to happen. So how are you going to work through it? And eventually it's going to turn over. And sometimes it's uncomfortably a little too long before it turns over. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, you know, surprisingly short and you can get through it quite fluidly. And so I understanding, again, I think keeping that really kind of deep meaning and purpose or the larger why behind all of these different kind of micro seasons and moments throughout where you're looking to go, uh, even if the end goal is just living a, a full life, right? And and treating those each and honoring each of those seasons and taking the good from it. You know, I am laughing. This is on a small scale, but a way that I got creative in, in that way is we would do these like pretty brutal leg sets to strengthen our legs, you know, for for competition. And I would dedicate the conditioning set, the leg set to shout out to like Hannah Buckling, like who was the hardest vendor I was going to go up against. So instead of being like, dude, this is so hard for me personally, my legs are blown out. That woe is me. I'd be like, okay, I'm dedicating this like leg set to all of the defenders that make me a little uncomfortable when I play. And it was much easier to motivate knowing that the the larger why was feeling ease and like the stronger one when it came down to it and having that confidence and that preparation in like, you know, we're going head to head in, in a big game. And I'm thinking like, I've done the work and I dedicated it to you. And like, I'm not going to back down. And I think you know, that's just one small way of like kind of expanding, you know, the why or the purpose in a moment that can really get you narrowly focused and kind of rigid in it, which is neat. I want yeah. to emphasize too on that. There's like, you know, it, it's not perfect for, for, for anyone through, through this process. And you're going to find moments of just lull and you're really dragging and you're, you're having a hard time coaches included, you know, there's certainly days you come on the pool deck and you're just you're not feeling it. You're not ready. You're not motivated. You're even, you wake up in the morning and you think to yourself, and this happens to myself included, like, do I really want to go today? Totally. You know, and, and again, this, this goes back to team sport and why working in teams is just so special, especially if you get it right, because you're going to have those days and you're going to have to rely on your teammate to inspire you, to keep you, to hold you accountable. And you know, if, if you're not connected, going back to use one of your words, if you're not connected and you don't feel that, that special connection with your, with your teammates, you're, you're trying to find all the motivation intrinsically. Right. Yeah. And, and that's only going to go so far. It's actually not going to go far at all. Right. So if you can build that, that motivation and that connection and that network around you, that, you know, you're basically all kind of working together you're not going to have those uh, as many moments of, of well, you're always going to have them. But the goal I think is to trying to create as, as few as, as possible. And that's in general, this is never a, a very sexy word, but one of the most important things for us is just consistency. Yeah, absolutely. So if uh, you're trying to do everything, just not kind of on your own, you're going to have a really difficult time building some consistency. Yeah. No, no doubt. I'm curious of the, the environment of training for the Olympics is, is a a unique one because uh, you typically hold a roster that's a little bit larger than the final roster. 
And so, and you can be basically holding that larger roster, probably anywhere from four months to two months before you leave to the Olympic games. And so there's this element where, you know, the competition is there. You're competing directly against your teammates in which you're trying to build that love, that respect, and that trust with. And it's, for me, it's, it's pretty unique, right? Like, I don't know that I, I think it's really helped me in different spaces that could be felt that way, but I think really it it feels very specific to what I experienced training for the national team. And I'm curious of like, what is the impact or influence you have in keeping that balanced and not having it kind of crank to an unhealthy place? And do you feel like you have any influence or balance on that? And how do you, yeah, how do you manage that from your role? Yeah, I'm shaking my head because I think it's one of the most challenging things there is. And I don't know if I've ever really gotten it right. I don't know if you can ever get it perfectly right. It's as you mentioned, and you know it better than anyone. It's extremely competitive. And you have to embrace that competition because that's really what that that's one of the key elements to pushing even skill development and certainly physical development as as well. And without that competition, I don't think we're we're anywhere. So making sure that we understand too within the group that the competition, embracing it in in a sense that it's making us all better. So again, just kind of starting out with that general concept, like. I know it sucks at times, you know, competing against your, your, your teammates, but it's making us better. So at the end of the day, when we leave practice and we're on the deck, we may have lost, we may have won, but we understood that we, we pushed ourselves to, to be better individually. And then obviously we're pushing ourselves collectively, but balancing it to where it's, it, it's not unhealthy, I think is, is a really difficult challenge. And I think to be quite honest, I, I, I think we failed at it at times, probably more often than, than we succeeded. And that's, it just, it's such a tough element and, and every person is different. And that's the yeah. challenging thing is we have an, a, a very high achieving, uh, high performing, highly competitive group of, of women insanely. I mean, the, these women are, are gnarly and what and how how they 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 compete so in some ways i feel like even when i self-reflect in some ways i feel like i've pushed the competition too much um because uh i i have to have a better idea of what the group and what the personality is of the group. And I think that's just kind of naturally inherent amongst a lot of them. So this is turning into self-reflection here and, and yeah. maybe some, some things I wish I did a little, a little bit better, but it's, it's a really challenging, it's a really challenging thing because you're, you know, as you mentioned, and you, you went through it, there's 18 to 20 people at the end of the day that are fighting for 13 spots and you're trying to build that trust and that love and, <laughs> all these flowery words that totally. sound so beautiful but yet you know five to seven of them are gonna are not gonna experience what you know we are all kind of shooting for it at the end of the day and and that's why it's also important just to just to emphasize like there's the learning that goes on through this process and the growing and some of the most special memories it doesn't always work out like this there's some ugly memories but some of the most special memories in my mind were 
you know, people like uh, we were talking earlier, Tamua Anai, who was a goalkeeper on our backup goalkeeper on the 2012 team. And if I have one regret about Tamua, it's like I never got her into the game. She didn't play one minute in the six games that we played in Olympic and Olympics. And I, I, to this day, I feel awful about it, but she never played yet. She was, you know, the first person that was supporting and loving her, her teammates. And there's a a picture that's in my mind. It's ingrained in my mind of, of Tamua after we won the gold medal in 2012. And we had one of the last players cut Juliet Moss who came out to London and she got cut from the Olympic team and she and you know this yes. and she came out to London to watch and support her team she sacrificed four years of of training brutal training and she had the love and respect for her team and her teammates and the journey and the process and understanding the perspective and having the perspective that she came out to London was in the stands cheering her her butt off and Tamua, you know, probably because she was a backup goalie, she understood a little bit better than the rest of us how difficult that must have been for Juliet. After she got her medal, she went over, found her in the stands and put the, the medal around her neck. And, you know, that's one of those kind of heartwarming stories that that embraces this idea of competitiveness, but also understanding and putting things into perspective and understanding that it's still a team sport that there are ugly stories as well. Um, I'm just choosing to, to share the, uh, the, the positive one, but that's what, what you're trying to create. It's, it's much easier said than done. And I think that's something I hope to do a little bit better, honestly, this, this time around. Yeah. I'm over here, like trying my very best not to cry Right. <laughs> with that right. story as these were my teammates and I got uh-huh. to uh, live that experience alongside of you and those girls. Um, I think what was really unique, especially about those two individuals. And I even think there was elements of this on that 2012 Olympic team. And it's, it's funny to use the word balance in the way that we train and the intensity of it. There's very little balance in a lot of ways because you got to be all in. It's a, it's like, it's a lifestyle. We joked about that, you know, but it is, it's the way you sleep, eat the thoughts you let in. It's everything, right. If you want to be the best, but I think we're, those two women and where I have found success personally is this balance between, and you said this, this like intrinsic and extrinsic motivation and where is it healthy and where is it unhealthy, right? If you're only relying on yourself internally, that may lead to trying to carry the world on your back. And that may be a little bit challenging, but where I think like Juliet and Tamua, they so knew what their values and integrity were. And it wasn't about the end goal, but the process and honoring who they were. It was about putting in the work when, you know, it may not have led to something or no one was watching. It was being kind of their own steady drumbeat of like, this is how I am going to choose to show up no matter what the outcome is because it's what's important to me and it's what is beneficial for the process and the team and everyone included. And so there was like this inner knowing and this inner like compass they were connected to. And I think a lot of the women 
could flow in and out of that, right? And the extrinsic motivation wasn't, it wasn't about doing tricks for treats or, you know, the trade-in on like, if I do this good, will I get the validation, the acknowledgement? And it wasn't about that. It wasn't just about getting the outer girls from the outside. It was appreciated and accepted right. and welcomed, but it wasn't connected to their self-worth or their value right. or, you know, the value of the experience. And so I think in a space that lacks balance because it's hardcore, right? And it's full extreme, the balance in which you can connect to and even for the next generations feeding into this and anyone that's in a, in a really high intense, highly competitive yet team environment, can you find the balance of being internally connected to your values, your integrity, your inner compass? And having a healthy extrinsic motivation to where it's like, I'm aware of, you know, the acknowledgement or the, the kudos or, and I appreciate it, but I'm not dependent on it. And, you know, I'm not a needing of it. Right. Because if you only are getting that motivation solely from the outside and you, it's hard to have a foundation. It's like, if your coach tells you you're great today, you're great today. If you're Coach tells you you're trash today, you're trash today. And that's that's that kind of blowing in the wind that you said, you know, the sports psych was talking about confidence. You you end up being really jerked around by that rather than knowing, you know, if coach is saying I'm trash today, I'm still pretty good. I know what I got in place. I'm a badass and I'm hearing a little motivation. So let's go. Let's put some fire in the system rather than being completely derailed and taking three practices to get back in it or two games to get back into it. So you know, I think those girls were beautiful examples of that balance within themselves in an extreme kind of uh, environment. And I think it's really important in those spaces to find that balance. Yeah. And th those are two examples of people that I would say, you know, maybe they would say differently, are living successful, quote unquote, successful lives. And That's by right. success successful lives, lives, I mean, fruitful, happy, positive lives. Those were, were two people I think I was never worried about past, post water polo. Honestly, the people that I worry about most are the ones that don't have that perspective, mm -hmm. aren't thinking that, that, hey, making the Olympic team is going to change my life, that, that the gold medal. And this, again, and you talked about balance. It's like having this fine balance between understanding that wanting so badly to win a medal and to be an Olympian and putting everything you have, but also understanding that it means nothing in the, in the whole journey. Yeah. So can you, can you find that balance? And when I think of balance, it actually just takes me back to, I probably said this to you, but I had the great, the great pleasure to get to know coach John Wooden during my time at UCLA. And I'll never forget. And I was such a young, dumb coach. I'll never forget him talking about what I believe he thought were the two most important words in a dictionary. That was love and balance. And I understood the love thing. I just couldn't grasp the balance thing. And he talked about how important balance was in life. And I was, you know, I was like a 26 year old head coach at UCLA. And I'm like, balance? Are you kidding me? I'm working 12 hours a day. I'm grinding. There's no balance here. But but as I think back, I, I think what he was referring to is is more, and I don't I don't want to certainly don't want to speak for the greatest coach of all time, but yeah. I think it's more perspective. It's it's understanding where it fits, not balance of time, mm -hmm. but it's 
perspective. And that goes again to your point to understanding what who you are, what you believe in, what you stand for. And I think as I've person on a personal level going through this process, and this is something that, you know, it, it takes a long time to 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 really understand that. I think of if when I was 20 years old, did I know who I was or what I really stood for? Not no, I had no clue. But now I, I feel a lot more comfortable and confident in what I do because win or lose, because I know who I am. I know what I, what I stand for. I know the values that, um, that are important to me and that those are, are what drive me moving, moving forward and kind of keep me when I start to fall off the tracks a little bit, yeah. those are the things that, that keep me in, in, in line. That's kind of my guiding star in, in some, some ways. Absolutely. And I think that was one of the questions I had is how do you how do you care for yourself in this position that can be isolating at times? And, you know, it can it's not an easy role to be a head coach or a leader of a company, CEO, what have you, and have to kind of be the bad guy, the good guy, the motivator, the crusher, you know, like all of these yeah. things in between. And, you know, the one to hold the container for the whole operation. And I would imagine it can be isolating at times. It can be incredibly challenging at times. It can be incredibly rewarding at times. And I'm hearing values and this kind of deeper understanding and connection with self is really important to help you keep the train on the track. Is there anything else you would add in regards to ways of checking in with self when maybe there's not a ton of like very clear examples that are going right alongside of you, right? Like it's not even like you can't even compare in some ways your role to other roles and to like, so how do you check in with self and then how do you care for yourself in this process? Yeah. First, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want this to be a pity party for me. I'm, I'm very fortunate and, and blessed uh, to have the position that I do, but I will say that it's, it's lonely. Man. It's lonely. Yeah. And it, it is, it is stressful and it is, it's overwhelming at times. And, you know, to, to be a leader of a team or an organization, whether you're a head coach, a CEO, it's something that, you know, I, as I, as I go through this process, I, I have a deep appreciation for leaders. Yeah. And that's actually one of my great joys these days is outside of coaching, just helping others mm -hmm. in these leadership roles, whether it be other head coaches or maybe even some CEOs. I, I, or a leader of any any team, it's because I know how difficult, I know how challenging it is and, and lonely it is and how quickly you can kind of go down the wrong path and it's difficult to kind of self-check. Yep. The things that help me are literally, I mean, simple words of, of values and just kind of remembering those, those words, but also, you know, I'm, I'm blessed and this is just my own personal experience is just family and, and friends, right? I mean, mm. When, when, and I start to tear up even thinking about it, but when you, when you come home to, you know, a 16 year old boy and a 13 year old girl and a wife and, and obviously other family members that you love so, so dearly, but you also want to be good leaders for, it keeps things in perspective and it keeps you in check. You know, everything you, everything you do and everything you say is, is followed by these people. And if you really care about them and you really love them and you want what's best for them, well, then you better act in the way that you say that you're going to act. You better, you better follow the values that, that you're preaching moving forward. And that, that's a, you know, a very quick, you know, slap 
to the face, if if you will, in, in some ways. And and I'm I'm thankful to have such um, such a wonderful family that 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 keeps me and and friends even that that keep me in in check. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I always find like the the people in your inner circle, family, friends are like beautiful mirrors when you lose yourself a little bit. Like, let me just hold this up and remind you who you are and bring you back a little bit. That's been really powerful at different times in, in my life, for sure. And, and you, in- you, learn, you learn also from just, I, I've had experiences, listen, in, in some ways you, you coach in this job, you know, sometimes you're coaching 15, 16 year old girls that come into the mm-hmm. program, right? And you learn from the bad that you you do too. So you you remember, oh man, I did this and it 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 wasn't a great example of um, what you're trying to create. And yep. you kind of hold on to those. And it's an added burden, if you will, or stress or maybe regret. But at the same time, there's there's great learning that happens. And so I remember these instances through my experience in which maybe I wasn't the best leader, or I didn't do a good enough job and kind of following the, the values that I, I truly believe in. And, and you hold on to those memories to help you with the next generation. I mean, yeah. right now, and this is a great example. I mean, right now we, we have a, a group of veterans, but we have this influx of new young, you know, any, everywhere from like 16 to 18 years old, you know, there's probably eight, nine women, young women. And, and, knowing how influential not only I can be, but the rest of us as leaders can be kind of keeps you in check and understanding that, hey, we better be smart in how we, how we behave, what our actions are, how we treat each other, because they're watching. And Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we're providing a good example for, for them moving forward. Yeah. I think as a veteran of my time within the program, I felt the same responsibility. So I can really come alongside of you in just that kind of constant awareness of like self, other, and then the whole group at hand, that kind of 3D listening, looking and noticing. Um, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a shout out here, Kimmy, because you were one of the best um, that I've you. ever coached of, of, you know, I think back to that 2016 team, the last team that, that you were on and, you know, you were, I think of you and, and, and Courtney Matthewson, yes. um, you know, being the, the the elder statesman and and leading in different ways, but both of you had such an amazing ability to. Obviously, there's a part of the process that that is is very selfish, but you had the ability to stay motivated, to think intrinsically, but have an idea and an awareness of all those going around you. And we had 16, 17 year old girls that were going through the process for the first time that really didn't know what they were doing. And to a certain extent, they're only going to listen to their, their head coach only so much. And having leaders like you underneath that are holding people accountable, that, you know, are acting and behaving in a way that supports what your values are and, bringing that authenticity to to the group was just, I mean, unique. You, you've always had a unique ability to do that. So thank you. Thank you. I thank yeah. you for making my life and making our team a lot 
a lot better. Uh, so much learning came from that for sure, you know, and again, it wasn't perfect, you know, and, and learn a lot of learning lessons through that. And just appreciative that we have, you know, each team is like this willingness to show up and kind of like learn together and trudge together and succeed together. And, and that's kind of the magic of like, okay, we sign it up. Okay, let's do it. Let's see what happens. One thing I want to kind of, we're getting to the end of your time here, but I, I want to ask you what role does humor, fun, and play have in all of this. And I guess like, you know, is it easy to keep sight of that? No, it's not always easy. It, it depends on, on the team. You know, in, in 2009, when I took over the team that you were part of, and you, you guys were a group that, and I speak about it a lot, that had been through a ton and a lot of heartbreak, right? And we had two players, Brenda Villa and Heather Petrie, that had been to three Olympic games and could come up short and were, you know, coming off a devastating loss in, in the gold medal game in 2008. And, you know, the one thing I want, there was a lot of things that I wanted to bring to the table, but one, one of the things I wanted to make sure I brought was, was fun, was yeah. enthusiasm, was energy, was humor. And that was a huge, a huge part to that, those, those four years. And I think, I think we were pretty successful. Certainly we had some, some difficult times, but you know, you have to enjoy it. It, it. Water polo is the most difficult sport in the world to play, I always say. So yeah. you got to find some humor and some joy in, in the process and through your relationships. And some of it's out of like even self-deprecating ways, yeah. right? Just making, you know, you can't take yourself too seriously through this process. Again, yeah. it goes back to perspective. And if you, you take yourself too serious or you put this process on a level that it's, that, that's not realistic or way higher than than it actually is in terms of importance, then you're bound to to fail. You're not setting the right expectations. So understanding that, yeah, the humor is a point. I mean, the amount of times, and it started honestly with our staff, like the amount of times that like, we can make fun of each other and keep each other in check, it just provides for the right environment and kind of this free flowing, authentic, joyous in, environment. So in that first quad, I felt this need to instill that into the group. And then in some ways, I, I feel like I've kind of gotten away from it because, and this isn't a good thing, be, because we've had a lot of success. And, you know, as a head coach, you're always trying to you're always trying to create some balance going back to the word balance and keep the team at kind of this not too high, not too low. That's right. So when you've had a lot of success and you keep winning and you keep having success, you get concerned about complacency. Right. And, and so you want to keep their humility and in, in check. And I think in some ways I've kind of gotten away from that, mm -hmm. that humor because I'm worried about them being quote unquote too loose Yep. So this is a, this is, I'm glad you brought it up because it's a focus of mine on a personal level to kind of get back to, you know, finding that balance, but also finding the humor within and the, and the joy within, within this, this process. It's, it's a huge element. I mean, yeah. you, no one wants to do anything that they don't enjoy and they can't laugh at. I mean, the, the, some of the best times that you remember the times in which you're laughing with your team and you're joking and they could be, everyone could be laughing at you, but that's okay. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's the goal, I think. Yeah, no. And I think what's really cool about some of the things that I'm kind of hearing throughout the interview, but even like in this moment is your ability to notice what 
team, what groups need certain things. Like you don't need to add more competition into a group that's already highly, highly competitive. So what's, what's the other, like, what's the other side of the teeter totter that you actually need to bring into play. And, and that is the fun and the joy and allowing, you know, maybe the rigidity to expand a little more into some freedom in certain ways and the importance of differentiating, okay, this is professionalism, this is preparation. And then this is fun, you know, and, and can they all kind of mix in together and not lose sight of what's important. And, you know, it's, it's always, it's always interesting, you know, if I'm working with a client that's like, I'm so stressed and I'm, I'm trying to organize this and I got this plan and this, and it's like, all of a sudden I've realized they're like in a microscopic box, you know, because they're over controlling, over scheduling over, you know, and the rigidity is just so intense. And so it's like, okay, like you said, can you, can you hear for it? Can you look for it? Can you feel it? And then how can you start expanding them so that they can actually lean on that structure that they've created, but not be like chained by it and have some breathing room to stay fluid and flow through what it is that they're doing. And, you know, that's kind of, that's been an aha moment for me to realize that, oh, you don't add, you know, more structure to structure when you need structure, right? Like it's not just a disaster. It's just adding more fuel to the fire. And so, you know, no doubt, I think, you know, as you continue to get to know this group that you're working with and finding ways to incorporate play and fun, it, it'll be great, you know? Well, and, and, and that's, you know, the role of a, of a leader and, and it is not just for you to bring the fun, and the, the yeah. humor, but allowing the people that naturally bring it, allowing them and giving them space to, to bring it yeah. um, and not, you know, not crushing it as, as, because as leaders, yeah. we have, don't like to use the word power, but a lot of control of the, the, the environment. And we can easily crush their humor in some yes. ways or not allow it to, to happen. And I think everyone, I'm a firm believer that everyone is is a leader in some sense, you know, whether it's a tactical leader, technical leader, physical leader, humor leader. Yep. So we'll, I think every team has those one or two players that, you know, what some would refer to them as class clowns or Yes. That bring the fun and yes. you, you need to give them space to, to bring the fun. And we, we as leaders, as coaches have a big role in uh, allowing that to happen. And sometimes I've done great at that. And sometimes I've failed miserably at, at it, but it's a, it's a good, I'm glad you brought this up. It's a good, a good reminder. Yeah myself moving forward yeah and you know for what it's worth you've always I have felt in you know playing for you for just shy of a decade you've done such a great job allowing us to be individuals like unique as we are but within this kind of system that has kind of clear values and a mission and a direction but allowing us to be individuals and have ownership of one who we are and then allow us to kind of own the process in our own way, rather than it being like, you know, just transactional, or we're just athletes, or, you know, right. we're puppets in, in the, in the system, right? You know, there's right. that ownership and that, that ability to be self and to express and to bring our strengths and bring our leadership styles, and then adjust as needed for the strength of the team. So, you know, hopefully I'm sending so much good energy to our group and, and to you in regards to having ease and clarity in creating that as you guys continue on and, and finding your guys' internal balance and balance within the team and, you know, moving forward with that. 
Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that. And that's why it's important also to have, and you made the comment offline beforehand, just have some former players and some people that have been through it a part of the program moving forward, it, whether it's in an official capacity or unofficial capacity in a lot of ways, just even your connections, right, with with the athletes. You, you bring that institutional knowledge that is so important that keeps people, gives people some direction and kind of keeps them in, in yeah, just moving in the, in the right direction moving forward because you've been there, you've been in their shoes. And I'm fortunate to have a lot of a lot of former athletes that are, are now coaching, as you mentioned too before, yes. and they're now in leadership roles and it's exciting to see and, and it's exciting to see what they bring back to to the program to make sure it's it's continuing in, in the right direction, whether you're winning gold medals or you know finishing last. Uh, we yes. we want to operate in a certain way and that's that's the number one goal for us. Yeah. Well, best of luck. You absolutely have the entire Mindful Warrior team rooting for you. Thank you so much for your time and your insight. This has been like, I could have probably talked to you for at least five more hours. Um, so I appreciate the time that you gave and looking forward to, to seeing, you know, what the future holds. Lots of fun, Cammie. Thank you very much. Thank you to those who've joined us today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with U.S. Women's Water Polo Head Coach Adam Krikorian. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take the opportunity to share with a friend, follow Mindful Warrior Radio, and leave a review. To learn more about Mindful Warrior and Mindful Warrior Radio, please follow us on Instagram at The Real Mindful Warrior and check out our website at www.mindfulwarrior.com. I look forward to our next discussion here on Mindful Warrior Radio.